Hello and welcome to Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. This week, and actually for this entire month of February, we're going to do something a little different here. Uh, we are going to be doing a Failed Franchises February. <laughs> now, what exactly is Failed Franchises? Mike, I, I, I kind of sent you a list. Uh, what do you think of what we've got so far? Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, Let, Let's put it this way. This is, this is stuff that probably the very first ones that we've seen of these franchises were okay, but everything else should never have been made. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think there's probably only one thing that I'll disagree with you on, since I love both of them, and I didn't even know there was a third one, nor do I ever want to see the third one. I'm sorry. I grew up with Mick Dundee. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. I, lo- I love Croc 1 and 2. I, I, that's not a knife. This is a knife. You just can't get any better than that. Yeah, and that's why I like the first one. I mean, you know, the first one was great. They they put him in Aust- they take him out of Australia, they throw him mm-hmm. into New York, and he's got to deal with things like, well, first you bediddle, and then you bidet. <laughs> oh, you wash your crap. You wash the you wash your ass off after you crapped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, the reason why I like the the, the only two films uh, you know out of that franchise that I will even recognize one and two is. That they're basically mirror images of each other. Because in the first film, it's him going to her town or area or whatever. And then in the second film, it's basically vice versa, where she's in his neck of the woods. Yeah, it was... I, I don't know. There were some things in, in 2 that I just thought was kind of kind of needed to be left off. Like when he, when he pulls out the knife and throws it at the guy's head and sticks it into his mohawk. I was kind of like, you know, eh, okay, you know, yeah. There's the, there's the, there's, you know, there's that's a knife joke all over again. Yeah, but see, that's the thing, you know. Some, you know, when 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 did the the second film come out? Like two or three years after the first film, right? Yeah, let me see here. I'm gonna see if I can find it on IMDb. I mean, see, that's the thing. You got to remind people who haven't seen the the uh, original film and why they hadn't seen it, you know, Lord knows why or whatever. Um, but it's just one of those things where you just got to remind people that, Hey, look, you know, this is, this is that joke. Yeah. And I think that some of it was that when this came out, America had a huge infatuation with Australians and I'm not sure why it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, just, you know, you go from 1986, where everybody's fascinated with Paul Hogan, who was basically, he came from nothing. He he actually worked on building the Sydney Bridge. Mm. And he was a maintenance man out there. And then, boom, he blows up into this huge international film star with Crocodile Dundee. And everybody loved him. They thought he was great. And then Crocodile Dundee 2 came along, and it was... To me, it was basically a lot of the same jokes, uh, you know. And again, same plot, different, uh, you know, different city. 
so for that, for me, I was kind of like, oh, and I was kind of bummed. And then they came out. He tried to do a rebirth of his career in 2001 with Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. And right there, let's just say it never, ever, ever should have been made. Uh, See, uh, Verhoeven, it's Paul Verhoeven, right? Uh, not not Verhoeven. Oh, Jesus, that's not the... Paul um, Verhoeven was director no, of No, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm... You're thinking Paul Hogan? No, hell, no, 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 no. Um, see, with the with the guy that plays Mick, it's just one of those things where he got, because of the Crocodile Dundee role, he got typecasted. And yeah. that's the It's It's one of those things where it's nice that, you know, he... Take a look at someone we love, um, you know, completely heterosexually, but take a look at someone that we love and Kevin Conroy, who has been Batman for pretty much almost a quarter of uh, of, of the Batman mythos's length of time. I mean, yeah. you know, qu- quarter of a century almost for him playing the voice of Batman. And would someone say that he's typecast as Batman? No, because there have been other people that... But, have been voiced as Batman. Granted, that's mainly what Kevin Conroy does. Yeah. Uh, and, and he has done other things, but if you look at the guy that plays Mick Dundee, what else outside of the Crocodile Dundee movies has he done? I, that's the only character, the only place I ever remember seeing that actor. He's got... Now, here's, here's the thing. Paul Hogan has got ten film acting credits to his name. This is pretty sad. <laughs> okay, starts off with Anzacs in... Uh, Australia as a TV miniseries. The mm-hmm. next big thing was Crocodile Dundee, then Crocodile Dundee 2, then Almost an Angel, mm-hmm. Lightning Jack. He came back for Flipper in 96. And then it was like he had nothing. He did a TV movie in 98. And then, oh, let me try and rebirth my career here with Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Mm. And no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, it. I, I, I saw the previews, and there's a scene where they're going through, they're on the movie lot going through, like, Universal Studios. Only it's not actually officially Universal Studios, it's some other movie tour. Which, that right there should tell you, stop. Okay? <laughs> and they have a, like, giant animatronic python that sticks its head out and starts to scare him. He rips his knife out, shoves it through the animatronic head, and goes, oh, there, got him. And I'm like, that's supposed to be funny. Okay, well. <laughs> and I, that was like, sadly enough, that was the funniest thing in it. And I, I was just, I'm going, no, there's no way in hell I'm going to watch this movie. Uh, just 95 minutes of pure dreck. Don't bother, folks. Move on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I know that you liked, I know that you liked it, Mike, and, and I liked the first one as well. I thought it was really great. Just this was definitely a failed franchise in my mind. <laughs> no, it, it is. I'm just saying. But would you rather have it be a failed franchise or something that didn't really get a ch- like? Would you rather have it be a failed franchise or would you rather have it be something that they're trying to reboot? Uh, That's the other thing. We 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 ought to almost actually be talking about reboots here too, because oh my god, some reboots are just or you know movies that 
start off really, really good with a really good cast, and then Hollywood, in general, Hollywood has the need to redo them for the current teen generation. I'm looking at Cruel Intentions, originally starring Ryan Phillippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar, along with Reese Witherspoon. Years down the line, there was Cruel Intentions 2 and 3. Same plots, both movies, same damn plots as the first one, just different, younger, no-name actors and actresses. Yeah, it's... Or look at the, the one thing that isn't in this in, in this list that we put together. Look at the National Lampoon films outside of the Vacation series. Yeah, that that's Senior Trip, Van Wilder, Van Wilder Two. Why Van Wilder got a sequel? I have no clue. It was all than... about Taj. That was it. it, it <sighs> Ryan Reynolds wasn't even in the film. I know. I know. Ah. Yeah, there there are some films. Bachelor Party is a great example. Okay, the very first Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Excellent film. Hilarious. I mean, it was it, it was meant to be poking fun of the fact that he was supposed to be a bachelor. He was supposed to be having this party. He's, you know, his fiance said, "I don't want you to have sex. I want you to be faithful to me. I don't want you to have any dealings with any strippers or anything like that." They bring in tons of drugs. They bring in strippers. They have a donkey show that's going on. It's it's a mess, but it's hilarious. Then, what was it? Maybe two or three years ago, mm-hmm. they came out with a sequel, Bachelor Party Vegas. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, they, that one should never have been made. Again, it went straight to video, which should tell you something. This is... And that's another thing, like all of these sequels and reboots that don't even hit the getters, that just go straight to video. It's like, wait, what, seriously? Yeah. It just, Um, you know, another franchise um, that we can pick on for this type of stuff is um, the franchise where Jason Biggs is known as the pie fucker. You know, I mean, you you look at American Pie and it just, it has so many different other, like, what was it, Bandcamp or... Book of Love, The Naked Mile. Book of Love. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it has all these other things and it's like, it just, oh my God, it just won't stop. Well, what happened is that American Pie became... Our generation's National Lampoons is what happened. It's, I, I don't like saying that, but it's the truth because we started seeing with National Lampoons, you had National Lampoons Vacation, European Vacation, Christmas Vacation. Then all of a sudden we started seeing things like Dorm Days. We started, mm-hmm. you know, they're all basically, those are all what I would term college fuckfest movies because that's mm-hmm. really what they're about. They're... You know, yeah, the the only American Pie films that really count in my mind are the ones that deal with the main characters from the first movie. So you yeah. have the original, the sequel, Wedding and Reunion. These yeah. spin-off films as Wikipedia calls them. Uh we you know, you already kind of ran through them. Bandcamp, The Naked Mile, Beta House, and The Book of Love. Why were these why was money put into these that's what I don't get. It's it's really you know, and, and I've had this discussion before with other people on other podcasts. What I don't understand is 
even if the original three films or two films or whatever were as popular as they are, why would you go back and make shittier, bricky films? It just makes no damn sense. Okay, I have my reasons for why American Pie got so damn many movies. Okay. Eugene Levy needed a job. That's it. <laughs> okay. I, I think Eugene Levy can be very funny. He was great and best in show. He was great as, you know, Jim's dad throughout throughout the American Pie series. But that was the only thing that was tying it all together with American Pie. Mm-hmm. I did not care for any of the movies. I, I watched about five minutes of Bandcamp and went, no, turned it off. Thank God I did not pay money for it because it was on Netflix <laughs> At the time, so I was just like, oh, good. Thank you for not wasting more of my time. Oh, my God. I'm afraid <sighs> oh, to <wow>. ask. <laughs> so I pulled up the Bandcamp link on Wikipedia, and friggin' Hannah Montana's brother, oh, <laughs> Jackson, God. the actor Jason Earls, is in this movie. Why are you in this movie, Jason Earls? You're, you're so much better than American Pie Bandcamp. To quote, Cartman, he, to quote Cartman from South Park, because he was young and he needed the money. <laughs> well, it, and, and okay, when I, when I first saw the American Pie Bandcamp advertisements, I was like, oh, okay, so they're going to bring back Alice and Hannigan, and they're, it, it's going to be some sort of prequel dealing with her constant, you know, stories about Bandcamp. And she's not even in the fucking movie. No. The only one who carries over is Eugene Levy. He's the yeah. only thing that links them all together. Yeah. That and the title, American Pie, presents. And the weird thing is, is where he shows up in, a, as soon as he shows up in any other movie, I'm like, oh, hey, it's Jim's dad. I wonder if he's going to be as annoying in this movie as he was in all the American Pie movies. And usually I'm right. Uh, he was the... Yeah. The... Was it Bloomingdale's? Uh, he was the Bloomingdale's clerk in Serendipity with uh, Beckinsale and, and, and Cusack. He was like, no, you, you stepped across the line. You cannot come behind the cat. It's like, oh, my God, seriously. Uh, I, I will admit he was pretty funny in Splash because he played the doctor, the uh, scientist that was trying to trap Daryl Hannah, knowing that she was a mermaid. Okay, but see, that's the Splash was, what, 80? Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, but see, that's the thing. That was way before anyone knew of him as Jim's dad. Because yep. let's face it, with American Pie, once I had never heard in 1999, I had never heard of Eugene Levy before. Yeah, I mean, I'd seen you know. him before and some other stuff. He was in a movie. Um, God, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it had John Candy in it, and he they were both like undercover cops. And <laughs> yeah, it was. It was uh. Undercover cops, John Candy. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to like be. look for it now because it's gonna bug me. <laughs> and the worst part is, I know I'm gonna go. Oh, it's this. <laughs> uh, let me see. It was. Oh God, he has a he has a TV series out right now called Shits Creek. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, let me, see. Let me see. The fu- the funny thing about the American Pie franchise is where some of those people ended up. Um, Shitbrick, A.K. Thomas is the actor's name, but everyone knows him as Shitbrick, the one that always uh, had the affair with Stifler's mom. He is currently on a CBS uh, drama 
show called Scorpion, and he plays this genius um, behaviorist. And it's just so amazing to see Eddie K. Thomas as an actor outside of the shit brick role because it's just so refreshing. It really, really is. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm glad to see it because I I will admit I, I thought he was funny in that film, but I was kind of like, you know, I'm getting tired of seeing him do the whole, you know, mm-hmm. yoga thing and, and being pure and saving himself up and, and finally nailing Stifler's mom again in the at the end of the sequel. But there's only so much. Yeah. Ah, and I found that film. It is Armed and Dangerous. That's what I was thinking of. Ah. Uh, came out in 86. So him, it was John Candy, Eugene Levy, and Meg Ryan. So there's there's an interesting one if you want to see it. It was not all that great. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, they weren't undercover cops. They uh, John Candy was a fired cop, and then... Eugene Levy was a useless lawyer, and they sign up as security guards and find they've joined a corrupt union. Basically, what happens is there's people trying to go through and steal money uh, from, like, armored cars or something like that, and they get involved with it. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty scary. <laughs> uh, it, it's pretty scary the fact that there are scenes there that you just don't want to think about. Like, they go into a uh, an adult bookstore, and there's... These two gay guys that are quite obviously very butch, wearing leather, and they're hitting on them. One of them is a crossdresser. Yeah, uh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, there's this American Pie, like we said. It's I like it. Don't get me wrong. I think that some of the first few movies are good, but anything that came after, well, anything that was not part of the, the original canon series should never have been made should not have the american pie name on it so mm. uh let's talk about something else here that i i know i'm probably going to catch some flack from <laughs> um from hunt outcast podcast for this <laughs> uh and go jeremy he usually is good for giving people flack yeah well <laughs> i think he might agree with me on this though <laughs> we have godzilla now Godzilla, we know, is filled with schlock, okay? It, it's, come on, from, from the original monster films, you knew that it was a guy in a rubber suit. I like those. That's the thing. Those were funny. The old Japanese ones were hilarious. But somebody in their right mind, somebody in their wrong mind, I should say, <laughs> got it into their heads that in the 70s, they would take Godzilla and turn it into a cartoon show, okay? <laughs> this, oh my God, it was awful. Uh, I, I remember seeing about 10 episodes of it, 10 episodes or so of it on uh, like Adult Swim or like back when Cartoon Network was first starting to do stuff before Boomerang mm-hmm. came around and they were running it late at night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. And they've got mm-hmm. a baby Godzilla that's running around. And, and you know, they, these people are summoning Godzilla to come and save the cities. Like, no, Godzilla never saved cities. He wrecked them. <laughs> What the hell is this? Uh, you know, and that was that was the thing. It got bad. It was bad from that start. Then we came along, and we had in 1998. Mm-hmm. They decided they were going to try and reboot Godzilla for the American series, the American <laughs> movie watching scene. Right. I I was so damn disappointed by this. I. <laughs> You know, they bring it in and they say they call him a mutated iguana. 
It's a 40 foot fucking tall mutated iguana. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, he didn't breathe fire. He didn't scream at all. He just kind of stomped through New York. And Matthew Broderick is chasing after him. Robot Chicken did such a better job of spoofing it when they had Godzilla on ice and they have the baby Godzilla's skating around in a rink and it was that was much much better and much more entertaining than watching the goddamn Godzilla movie. Well, I'll I'll be honest with you and I'll be honest with the audience as I most of the time am. Um I have never cared for King Kong, Godzilla, any of those universal mo- the only universal monsters I ever really cared about were like Dracula and the Mummy and Frankenstein and all that kind of stuff, but like God's like I don't know what it is about Godzilla and King Kong and all that stuff or Mecha Godzilla or whatever the hell else. I just don't care. Yeah. I honestly think what it is is when it comes to anything that's dinosaur ish or dinosaur related, I think Jurassic Park pretty much scared me away as a child, as a 10-year-old. Yeah. I just, like, I used to love, as a kid, I used to love dinosaurs. Absolutely used to love them. I still love the Dinobots from Transformers. It doesn't matter which incarnation they're in, but as long as they're dinosaurs and they're robots. But it's one of those things where everybody's always talking about Godzilla this and Godzilla that and everything else. And it, it's just, I mean, it's not that I dislike the, you know, the character. I just simply don't care. Yeah. The closest thing for me to come to Godzilla, and I'll have to send you the clip, is, you know, from Austin Powers and Goldmember, it's Godzilla. No, it's not. Yes, it is. (laughs) You know, that whole scene where they say, oh, due to to international copyright laws, it isn't. Yes. You know, know, (laughs) that whole scene, that's the closest thing that I can come to enjoyment when it comes to Godzilla is when they're making fun of the damn character. Yeah, and, and I'm okay with that. I mean, that was that was kind of the thing with some of the early, with the 50s era, 50s and 60s era of Godzilla, was that they were making fun of it. They it, There was a point when they realized people are watching this because it's so bad, because they know it's a guy in a rubber suit stomping around on, you know, miniature miniature cars, and, you know, they're, they're fighting this giant rubber thing that swings in you know it's when Wee herman was going through in Wee's big adventure and he rides through a set of a monster film hello that was godzilla i mean it wasn't they couldn't <laughs> technically call it godzilla but let's face it that's what it was mm-hmm. uh you know that was funny but the 98 film was not what made it worse what made it absolutely worse was that fox that same year right after the movie had flopped thought hey, we're going to bring this out as a cartoon. And they ran a cartoon with Ian Ziering as the voice of Dr. Nick Totopoulos. All right, all right let, let me ask you this. And listeners, please comment on the post here. Oh, please. Please do. Well, well let me ask you, what's worse, the 98 Godzilla cartoon or Avengers United They Stand? You know, I've never seen Avengers United They Stand, so... You've um, never seen that cartoon? Oh, my God. No. You want to talk about subjecting yourself to bad cartoons? Watch that shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid I'm going to have to, just so I can go, oh, 
Oh, God. And while we're on the subject of bad cartoons, I wouldn't say this is a failed franchise, but it's just something that's just so horrible. It's an abomination to its own fandom, Star Trek the Animated Series. Oh. oh. <laughs> you know, I, I watched it a couple times only because I remember seeing it when it was playing. Nickelodeon had it at one time. Mm-hmm. And I watched it, and I was kind of like, okay. And they showed at one point Spock as a young kid, and I kind of went, um, all right. It just didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It was okay. You know. you know what doesn't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> is the current uh, wave of Star Trek that we've gotten over the last few years since about 2009. And the reason why I bring this up is because it's not, obviously, Star Trek is not a failed franchise. I would never, ever say that because my buddy Steve Megatron would literally jump through my computer and just beat the living crap out of me. But when Into Darkness came out, um, after it was released, they said, uh, IDW said, and I, I can't believe this is IDW, IDW Publishing doing this, but IDW said Star Trek number 25 or number 26 or whatever it was, whatever the next issue was supposed to be, was going to be a follow-up to what the events were in Into Darkness. So, uh, okay. <laughs> I picked it up thinking, okay, we're going to see an adventure, we're going to see a continuation after the end of the second J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. You know what the issue's about? Spock going through the Vulcan version of puberty. Oh, God. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, what? So it's Spock and Pond Far all over Uh, again. uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like, wait, I I love you, IDW Publishing. I really do. But I'm sorry, that was a waste of $4 for me. (laughs) Yeah, there there are some things that should just not be brought along that was probably one of them I, you know th- there are some things that i've seen that are great i i did like idw when they did their star trek uh and it was like next generation and doctor who crossover mm-hmm. and, and i know that there are people out there who are like you, you should never mix the two but i liked it for what it was yeah idw does great crossovers but just certain things i mean i love that company don't get me wrong absolutely oh, yeah. love it. But, you know, I I was expecting something different out of that issue. I was expecting to see them dealing with the fallout of the events of Into Darkness. Oh, yeah. And just to see it as a puberty issue with Spock, uh, no thanks. Yeah. Um, somewhere in here, we ought to put um, Meatloaf's uh, Life is a Lemon and I Want My Money Back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I think we will have to put that in. <laughs> uh, now, and of course, speaking of lemons, let, let's go ahead. Let's talk about fruit, the Coconut Fred's Fruit Salad Island. This was, uh, for anybody who's not seen this thing, this, this is basically a complete ripoff of SpongeBob SquarePants. And God, I love the man. I think he's great. He's a great voice actor. Rob Paulson was the voice of Coconut Fred. And I've heard him say that, uh, you know, he goes, I got paid. It put braces on my kid and, you know, got him through college. But he goes, I'm not really proud of Coconut Fred's Fruit Salad Island. 
when did Coconut Fred come out? Uh, good question. Let me see. Was it, was it in the 90s? Yeah. Uh, what? No, nah, that wasn't 2005. It was before that. Seriously? That's what that well that's what IMDb is saying. Maybe they re-released it or something like that on video. Uh oh crap. No, it was 2005 through 2006. Hmm. Yeah, I could have well, sworn it was at, in the 90s. In 2005, I you know, I could have sworn Rob was you know, secure and I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I've interviewed enough voice actors in all, you know, 6-7 years of podcasting that I know that, you know, they have to go out for every role or they have, you know, if, if they want to keep getting the job, they have to go do sometimes what they may not want to do. And there are some people that will, will say no to certain things. But I would think that and at the point of 2005 that Rob Paulson was secure enough in his career that if he didn't believe in something or he didn't really want to have fun doing it, he wouldn't have done it. So maybe they had fun in the voice sessions. Who knows? Well, and that's just it with this thing is that. Rob said that when he went to go do it, it was just him in the booth. Everybody else was up in Canada. He was the only one from L.A. Uh, that was here. Uh-huh. Okay, I mean, and you've got some people who are pretty good. You've got Eric Bauza, you know, who mm-hmm. we've seen. Uh, Eric, for anybody who doesn't know, I love Eric because he's the voice of Marvin the Martian currently. Uh, but, I mean, they had him. They had Eddie Deason, who everybody is known. Everybody knows who Eddie Deason is. You've you've heard his voice. You've seen him. He always plays like this nerdy, geeky guy <laughs> type of thing. Ooh. Yeah, um, you know Eddie Deason was Eddie Deason was the annoying kid in the Polar Express. Uh, but I, I, I think. Can't... Yeah, I've never seen that movie. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to think of what else. Thank God that never got any sequels. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's see. He was Ned in Kim Possible. He was. Oh, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, he was Ned the not the uh, Bueno Nacho. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. He was he was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. And oh, I know that you. I know that you recognize that. Yeah, Mandark. Even if you don't is, like it, you know who Mandark is. Oh no, Mandark is awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's who Eddie Deason was, and he basically does the same voice throughout everything. You know, mm-hmm. that annoying noise, that annoying voice. But that's that's him. This was. I remember seeing probably two or three episodes of Coconut Fred's Fruit Salad Island. And I just, I turned it off. It, it's that bad. Um, it, don't go looking for it. Don't try to hunt it down, folks. Just realize that it was a, it was a dark point for a lot of voice actors, but it paid the job. You know, it paid for them to keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, I loved it for what it was, but I mean, I, I love the fact that I heard voices that I knew that I was able to associate with, but it was not, not by any stretch decent. <laughs> um, let's, let, let's also talk about, since we're talking about TV shows, let's come up and cover the Punky Brewster cartoon. Oh, please. No, <laughs> I, I got to throw a little bit of mention to this. This, this thing was awful. Okay. And the main reason that this thing was awful was that they they brought in Punky Brewster and her friends, and they have this weird-looking thing that looks like a gopher, but apparently, I guess, is supposed to be some sort of leprechaun. 
<laughs> I, uh, <sighs> Glomer. Glomer was the name of this thing. I, I can't even justify it. It was just the goofiest damn thing ever. And he, he could make himself invin invisible. He would grant her all sorts of wishes. Just, it was so damn bizarre. Uh, you know, it was, I'll give it this. The, the TV show Soleil Moonfry was in, great. Excellent thing. You know, and I, I loved it for what it was, even though it died a horrible death towards the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just waiting for them to cast her in some sort of strange role in the Big Bang Theory. I could see that. <laughs> I mean, hell, they have Blossom. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and you know that you know that uh, Soleil Moon Fry has done uh, episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. I just don't remember what she's done, but you know she yeah. she had her time there. Uh, just though this, the cartoon should never have been made. It it lasted. It was. It reminded me in a lot of ways of the same era of Mr. T, the Mr. T cartoon, and I'm sure you know which, exactly which one. Yeah, I'm talking but about. that's that's Mr. T though, because I mean, <laughs> okay, I I understand the Mr. T cartoon is is bad, but it, it's it's bad in a good way. I can say that much because it's friggin' Mr. T. Almost anything that man is in. We enjoy for the most part. Oh yeah, I, you know, I obviously I'm not I'm not going to spend any money on this, but when he was doing World of Warcraft ads on TV, I was <laughs> like, hmm, I might have to look into this if I could get you know a Mr. T Mohawk. And actually, you know, it, it's a funny thing. As a kid watching the A Team, even though my hair would never do it and my mom would never let me do it, I always wanted a Mr. T Mohawk as a kid. So, yes, even though his cartoon series might be bad, I would say it's more of a guilty pleasure than god awful. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean you want to talk about something god awful in a failed franchise. Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm for crap's sake. You know, I, I okay, I'm going to say this. <laughs> when I was growing up, I wanted to see it. <laughs> I never did see it because I never could find out what time it was on. <laughs> now looking back, I'm going, God, good God, thank God I never actually did watch it. Yeah, you mentioned Adult Swim earlier. Why in the Sam Hell did Cartoon Network or Adult Swimmer, wh whoever runs Adult Swim, why in the Sam Hell did they give Mike Tyson a goddamn cartoon series now? <sighs> Mike Tyson Mysteries. So basically it's Mike Tyson meets Scooby Doo. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, it's it spoofed all the hell up. It, it's. I know. It just. I saw the panel for it at Comic Con. It was. It was pretty funny. I mean, he, he makes fun of himself, which is a shock in that. Mm. You know, Mike Tyson rips himself to shreds, but he's he's hilarious in it, and I think that that's what makes that show work. Uh, but you know, I mean, there there's. I don't know. There, it, it it's not something I'm going to sit down and watch constantly over and over and over again. Oh, hell no. Uh, I, I will say, just to touch real quick on Mr. T, that there were some pluses to it. Because that was the very first job for Phil Lamar. Hmm. He was Woody on Mr. T, one of the uh, young gymnastics team that, that Mr. T used to sponsor. And I never understood why there was a gymnastics team that he was sponsoring being this tough guy. But I guess it kind of went along with what he had on the A-team, being, you know, that he was trying to... Oh, you know, be good for the kids and, and 
help the kids out and be nice and make them do arts and crafts and stuff. So you called him a tough guy, and not not that he's not a tough guy, but as soon as you said that, the first thing I thought of was friggin' Joe Pesci in Lethal Weapon Four. Yeah, that's right, telephone tough guy. You want to make something of it? Oh God. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, okay. Since you mentioned Lethal Weapon, oh no, you cannot! If you sit here and crap on the Lethal Weapon series, I will take this podcast over and never give it back okay. to you. No, 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 no. Okay, I liked one, I liked two, I liked three, but as soon as they brought in Butters, I kind of went, ah, "Really? Did they have to bring in Chris Rock?" That was my whole thing. I I didn't like it at that point, and I. I tried to like it. I really did. I that was the one I just did not care for. Everything else about it was good, but Chris Rock could have been left out. There were certain funny moments in that movie, like the beginning with, you know, Fire in the Hole playing and Van Halen in the hole. I got to make him turn. Yeah. Look like, you know, pluck like a and, chicken. And then there are some moments with Chris Rock at t- you know, like when when Leo first comes into that scene before they get to the whole, they're fucking you with the cell phones before they get to that. When Leo first comes into the scene and Chris Rock Chris Rock Rock asks him, "What happened to you?" No means no. You know, I mean, there are some funny moments, but I, I mean, yeah. seriously, Chris Rock is is the least of. Uh, I mean, sure. It, it is a whole storyline with Rianne, and he's her secret husband, and the same thing, everything else. But honestly, watching that movie, I'm more focused on on uh, Murtaugh and Riggs yeah. than I am on you know them oh, yeah. having you know you know Biter having a psychology degree. You know, yeah. I mean, it was it was just that particular movie. I I thought that the first one was great because we got to see. Murtaugh being completely crazy, which, gee, really isn't too far off from real life now. <laughs> uh, oh no! Oh no! Oh no! We got to bring this up in this episode because if I if I because it's actually current. Um, Santa Claus has gone crazy, ladies and gentlemen. Oh Jesus! How did I forget this? Yes. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, please. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so I only watched like up until the point where this video actually and I can't believe that chick's his wife, but um <laughs> Randy Quaid verbally attacks <laughs> Rupert Murdoch. Yes. Yes, I um uh, uh, the fact that he has her put on a mask and then Stands up behind her, and I'm not sure. I don't know if I really want to know if he really was fucking her or if he was just fake, you know, simulating it. I I don't know. All as I know is, and I don't really, you know, I don't, I try, ladies and gentlemen, to pay not, pay, pay no attention to celebrities' lives. I really try not to, but when Facebook puts it on trending and I see it and I'm like, oh my God. And the fact that Michelangelo of all people, Robbie Rist on Facebook (laughs) (laughs) says, I feel somehow it's like looking into my own future. Yes. (laughs) And it's one of these things where the, the only thing out of this whole thing that I really get out of it is, oh my God, why is he wearing a fake Santa Claus beard? (laughs) You didn't realize that that was real? No, I I know it's real. But 
when I, when, you know how when you first look at an image, you're like, oh yeah. Well, you know, you have to do a double take on it. Yeah, and it's like, wow. Yeah. I just, oh my god, some of these. Yeah, it, yeah, and and you, and you, and and you look at somebody like Randy Quaid, and you know Independence Day, and granted, a lot of his roles have been that that crazy drunk or that that weird type of person or whatever else. But you know, you look at him in Caddyshack too, where he's the lawyer. Yeah, that was a good role for him. You look at him in as as Tim Daly or Dalen in Days of Thunder. That was a good role for him. Yes, you know. But you look at him now, and it's like, oh my God, you're not getting any jobs in Hollywood anymore. Well, he can't. He can't actually be in Hollywood. I don't know if you knew about this. Hmm. When he went off his rocker, he's actually a wanted man in the U.S. He's living in Canada right now. Oh, jeez. And the whole reason for this is that. He and his wife screwed a uh, they they screwed a hotel out of all this money, and they basically <laughs> trashed the room. They left it, and they were living out on the street in a box because supposedly their house where they were at their their like bungalow that they were living in previous to the hotel was stolen from them by Warner Brothers by yeah I think mm. it was Warner Brothers and. People in Hollywood were trying to have him whacked. He created this band called Star Whackers. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was hilarious because I actually made comments about this. Robbie Rist had it. When he posted it up, I did this whole big spiel about it. I, I said, you know, he goes, it's like looking into my own my own future. And I says, you mean that... You mean that you believe as Hollywood is trying to kill you and you're playing with the mockers is a thinly veiled attempt at your very own Star Whackers band? Please, Robbie, you could be coked up out of your mind flying down Hollywood Boulevard at 90 miles an hour with two dead hookers hanging out of the trunk, smash into a paparazzi's BMW, and have a shootout with the LAPD while screaming, I'm Cousin Oliver! I'm more infamous than Miley twerking with Robin Thicke! And you would (laughs) still be better off than Randy Quaid is. And... and I can't, I cannot believe his. I can't believe he's related to Dennis. I just can't, like Dennis doesn't have yeah. any. You know, De- Dennis Quaid, amazing actor. Love him in almost every role he's ever done or every role I've seen him in. You know, and you know he's had some issues, but I, I mean, really, after seeing this whole thing with Randy Quaid, it's like he really has turned into Russell. From Independence Day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's, but he's hiding out in Canada right now because he's a wanted man in the U.S. and and they, people in Canada apparently love him just like you know the French love Jerry Lewis. So, I you know I'm just kind of going okay, whatever. Hey, 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 Doug, go up to Canada and. <laughs> oh man, go. No, I, oh, can, I, I, I could just imagine that being an episode of Dog the Bounty Hunter. Dog hunts Randy Quaid. I, I can oh, so see that. You know, I don't know that he would want to even touch that. That's the thing. You know, he'd be wanting to, he'd be wanting to spray him down with, you know, with with, with the uh, pepper spray and be like, oh, you know what? Now I got to touch that and cuff him. Oh, Beth, go get him. Uh, yeah. I ain't touching that. <laughs> uh, you know what? <laughs> uh, 
he's good where he's at. We'll just leave him there. Yeah. Uh, I do have to kind of touch because we're we're starting to run low on time here, so I want to get to one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I want to talk real quick about Don Bluth Productions. <laughs> now, I, I, I know that there are people out there that are like, Don Bluth Productions. You're, you're talking about this really good animation studio that had all sorts of hits. Yes. Yes, I am talking about Don Bluth. But it's they had some great franchises to start out with. And this is, this is kind of mm-hmm. why I pulled the whole failed franchises together. Don Bluth Productions had Dragon's Lair. They had Space Ace. They had an American tale, The Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Secret of whatever the hell that is. Yeah, Secret of Nim. Yeah, you know, Nim. great, great cartoons. Problem is, they thought they could do better. <laughs> and they started coming out with sequels. And they came out with cartoon shows. Dragon's Lair came out on ABC in the 80s. It ran for 13 episodes and died. It should not have been made. It was not anywhere as good as the video game. Uh, Did we ever do Titan? No. I don't remember. Okay, so, you know, this kind of ties in, folks. The only thing that Don Bluth has ever had a hand in that I really absolutely love, and I don't care how bad people say the movie is, I still love it. And I blame Scott Stapp and Creed from the 90s because <laughs> when Titan AE came out, they used Creed's hire in the trailers for the movie, yet it's not in the movie itself and it's not on the soundtrack, which is fine. I get it. It was a promotional thing for the trailer people to use, whatever. But that's really the only Don Bluth movie that I absolutely love. The rest of it, I just don't care. Yeah. I, you know, All Dogs Go to Heaven is the most depressing oh, yes. <laughs> dog movie of all time. Well, they start off they start <clears throat> off with having uh Burt Reynolds as the voice. Mm-hmm. They kill him off, they send him back to heaven, you know, after everything that happens with him drowning. And I I remember being kind of horrified by that, thinking, You're showing a dog drowning? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. You know, and that was absolutely horrible. Uh, but you go through all of that, and they have the movie, and then they decide they're going to come out with a sequel. And the sequel was just <laughs> stupid. Well, first off, they take, you know, uh, they take Charlie Sheen, and they cast Charlie Sheen as Burt Reynolds' character. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and they bring back Dom DeLuise as Itchy. You know, so they, they basically have a lot of the same cast. But it's not the same. And, of course, <laughs> watching it, I, I think that Charlie Sheen just phoned it in and that he was coked out of his head while he was doing it. Because there's no other explanation for his whole attitude of, yeah, whatever. Oh, God, can you imagine if All Dogs Go to Heaven 2 happened a few years ago when he had his whole nervous breakdown tiger blood thing? That oh, might. God. If it had happened then, that might have been the best dog sequel ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, if he'd gone but, off his rocker then and they actually recorded it and said, hey, let's make a movie out of this. this I know I would have watched it. <laughs> this film even had... Uh, 
It had an animated series to it. It had a 40-episode animated series. Why? Oh, dear God. And Dom came back for it, which is fine. I th- Hey, you know. But in this one, for the voice of Charlie, you had... <laughs> oh, God. Um, you had friggin' uh, um, oh, damn it. What's his character's name? You had Daly's brother, um, Brian from West, Stephen Weber from Wings. You had Stephen Weber from Wings as the voice of Charlie in the animated series. You know, he can do some funny stuff, but being a talking dog, um, they had Sheena Easton as Sasha LeFleur in this animated series. Don't get me wrong. Sheena Easton, all well and good. But yeah, just one of those things that just makes me just shudder. I, yeah, there, you know, and then you've got that. You've got an American tale, which we all know from the 80s with the song Somewhere Out There. It was playing for god awful, I don't know how long, on every single pop station. Oh, God. I remember. American Tale was when? 86? Uh, I think. See. Of course, I'm looking for it now and can't find it immediately. I think it was 86. Yeah. American Tale, release date, November 21st, 1986. Okay, so I am six years old when this movie comes out. I remember seeing it, but I don't remember much else about it. It recently came back on one of my movie channels that I still get, and I DVR'd it, and I watched like the first five seconds of it and then just erased it. I, it's not that I don't like the movie. I just At that point in time, I just didn't care to watch it. Um, but I remember as a kid watching this movie over and over and over again, and I remember every single night listening to Delilah After Dark on WVBF Boston 105 and... At least one person every single night would call in for somewhere out there. God. <laughs> no, there, there's there's a limit. It, it's <laughs> you know it, it's there there's it, it's like listening to for those who are into the pop culture songs right now. It would be like listening to Taylor Swift over and over and over again. There's a limit to how much you can do of Taylor Swift. The same thing for somewhere out there. You can mm-hmm. hear it once. You you don't need to hear it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you have the two kids who are singing it, and you've got them squealing at really high pitches. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, to be fair, I thought that American Tale was okay. It's when they did the sequel. <laughs> they They basically tried to play off the same plot at mm-hmm. the very beginning where, oh, here... We're gonna go west now. We're gonna we're gonna go out west instead of being in New York, and they leave everybody behind and they go out there, and what happens? They're you know they they basically do the whole oh Fievel got lost and then Fievel finds them and becomes a sheriff. The only sheriff in cartoon history that ever really mattered was Huckleberry Hound. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know. But uh, but yeah, no, you know, 
some of the stuff that Don Bluth Productions put out, it's like, why? Like, I can understand the first two Land Before Times, but why do you need three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, however many they put out? Uh, you know, f- you know, Fern Gully had two movies. I know, that, I know that's not Don Bluth, but Fern Gully had two movies that really only needed one. Yeah. You know, um, it just oh god. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, okay, let's talk Land Before Time for a minute because this, I, I still don't get how this became a multi-million-dollar <laughs> franchise. Okay, the first two movies I get, they brought them out in theaters. It was kind of cute. But after, because part of the problem with this is that they ended up using kids. And Rob Paulson, he was the voice of Spike throughout all 12 of these films. Okay. But there's a thing with this, though. He joked. He goes, oh, what happened to Littlefoot? Uh, Littlefoot ended up in the tar pit because his voice changed. You know, they went through I don't know how many Littlefoots. He, he just laughed about it. I don't even see this. The thing is, like the Land Before Time films, I honestly don't even remember any of the voice cast in that. I mean, I, I'm sure I can look it up and it'll be fine and whatever, but I, I just don't remember anything about that voice cast whatsoever. Yeah, it was not really, you know, it, it wasn't very memorable. That was part of the problem. I mean, you know, everybody was kids pretty much. You had, you know, like I said, Rob Paulson making noises as Spike and going, uh, 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 you know, that was his grunting and he made money off of it. So he, he goes, Hey, it wasn't bad. I made noises. You know, most of the time it would make, you know, I make noises like that after I have indigestion. So this was perfect, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> this just the fact that they came out with 12 direct to video sequels to this film. Why? Yeah. I remember them when they started coming out with like three and four that they were being offered by Pizza Hut. You bought a pizza and you got the film with it. Mm-hmm. And just... <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or not to be thinking about that, that they're mixing that in. But yeah, so... <laughs> I think we're gonna be. I think we're gonna go ahead and end this episode. We have a lot more to cover, folks. We have a lot more failed franchises to pull. Oh yeah. Um, next week we will have. We'll be talking about things like Butt Ugly Martians and Father of the Pride, uh, Fox's answer to Recess, aka Detention. <laughs> you know, we have stuff to cover. Trust us. <laughs> and hope you enjoy this here. Uh, Mike, do you have anything that you want to post up for Geekcast Radio? Um, when's this going up? Uh, two weeks from now. Um, um, uh, by then we should have our awards episode up, revealing our second annual GCRN award winners. Um, go check out geekcastradio.com. We have over six years worth of content there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, (laughs) yeah, just go there. All right, and for those of you who are interested in talking about My Generation, you can go to our website at MyGenerationPodcast.com. You can write us an email at MyGenerationPodcast at gmail.com, and please do let us know what you think of this episode. And if you have any comments about any of the bad, failed franchises, or you want to mention one, you want to suggest one for us, please let us know. We'd love to hear your input. 
Uh, you can mm-hmm. also reach us on Twitter. Uh, I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T, Sprizout. And Mike? I am at TFG1Mike. Okay. Uh, so thank you all for listening. We'll go ahead and finish this out, and see you next week. <laughs>